I'm going to preach today from Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, and uh, we'll see how long my voice holds out. So glad that all of you are here today. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And one more time, since it's just the one verse. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Today I want to preach for a little while on this thought, the gift God wants, the gift God wants. God bless you, you may be seated. I had intended to, of course, preach this last week, and uh, because of the circumstances, unable to do that, and so even though we are a little more removed from Christmas, I thought it was still appropriate based on the, the topic of the message. But as you know, Christmas is a time of giving. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and so God, who is a giver, uh, that was no less than the fact that he gave Jesus Christ, who came into the world on that first Christmas day, whenever it was, it wasn't December 25th, I'm sure, but whenever it was, it was God's gift to the world of the Messiah, and at Christmas time, we give presents to one another. We do this primarily because God is a giver, and also because the wise men of the story of the, the nativity, and, and even though there's, if you're a student of things like this, you would probably understand that the wise men were probably not there the same time or the same night as the shepherds, and that it was a different time. But the wise men came and brought gifts to Jesus of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so we give gifts to one another on Christmas. But the reality is, is that while Christmas is about giving and God is about us being in relationship with Him. That what God wants is not a gift of something material, but God is looking for us to be in relationship with Him, and He is looking for us to follow Him and not just believe in Him. You may not fully comprehend the the distinction that I'm making, but there are a lot of people who believe in Jesus. And by that, they they believe that Jesus exists. They may even believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And they may even believe that He is the only way to heaven. But just because they believe in Him or believe things about Him does not mean that they're really following Him. And what Jesus is looking for is not for us to believe facts about Him, but He is looking for us to follow Him and to be in relationship with Him. And that means that we have to surrender everything that we have and everything that we are to Jesus Christ. That we can withhold nothing from Him. And, and, and as you probably picked up a little bit of the theme of the music And when Alec asked me if I had anything in mind, I told him just what I was planning on preaching. And 
uh, when I did one of those songs, which was on my list already, were I to have to lead today, uh, immediately came to his mind. And, and so that theme of, Lord, I give you my heart and uh, I, I give everything to you, that idea is really what I'm preaching about, that when we come to Jesus Christ, we have to surrender everything to him. Everything we have and everything we are. The text that I read to you, it is the first verse of a change in the book of Romans, a a kind of a segue, if you will, in the book of Romans. And I've used this language with you before, that what Paul does and, and what God has Paul do and other writers of the New Testament letters is that frequently he will put a statement of fact before the command. To say it another way, he puts the indicative before the imperative. Look at your neighbor and go, the indicative before the imperative. If you don't know what that means, it simply means this. It's that the Bible will give you, in the book of Romans, as well as other of the letters of Paul, it gives you all of the things that God has done for us. All of the blessings, and and it gives you all of the favor that God has bestowed on us. And then, because of all of those wonderful things, that he will say, now live a certain way. That now, because of what God has done, and because God has saved you, and God has blessed you, and God has bestowed favor on you, Now there are some things that you have to do in your life. It wouldn't be uh, too dissimilar than me to say to your kids, your parents, they brought you into this world. They provide your clothes. They provide your food. They provide your house. Now clean up your room. Right Now, do what it is that they're telling you to do because of all the things that they provide for you and they do in your life. That in essence, what, what the, the Bible tells us and the way that God has chosen to reveal us itself is He doesn't come out with a bunch of commands saying, do all this stuff and then I will give you. But He says, I have given you this, now live this way. Romans specifically gives us a number of things that God has done in our lives. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, that God has given us the gospel, which is the power of God to salvation. That this message that Jesus is the only way brings about salvation. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That He has given us peace or He has broken down the the difficulties in our relationship because we have been justified by faith. Or Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Or Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. And then, our text, he says this, Therefore, 
because of all of the wonderful things that God has done ahead of time. All of the wonderful things God has already done in our lives. Therefore, I've got something for you to do. And what God is really asking us is to give Him the gift of ourselves. But the most important thing that you and I can do is to give the gift of ourself to Him. There is a children's Christmas musical done in churches. It's, it's been around for quite a long time. It's called The Late Great Potentate. I'm still in my introduction. We're going to get there in just a minute. The Late Great Potentate and And in this story, the the guy is trying to figure out what he can give the gift of a king. That he knows the king is coming and he's trying to figure out what kind of gift can I give a king? What is the king worthy of? And ultimately what he comes to the conclusion is this, is that he is the gift that the king wants. And what I'm preaching to you today is this, is that you and I are the gift that God wants. That we are the thing that He is after. He's not after our money. He's not after our material goods. He's not after accolades. All of those play a part, but ultimately, the gift that He is looking for is the gift of ourselves. The question is this, what kind of present are you offering to God? They're a little ahead of me, but the first thing I want to tell you about today is this, is that we offer ourselves to God because of His mercy. If you could go to the one that says slide one, yeah, thank you. That we offer ourselves to God because of His mercy. This passage starts off with this, therefore I urge you, therefore because of all that God has done in our lives, I urge you or Other translations, when I beseech you, it is this strong push and this strong plead to do something as a result of what God has done in their lives. And ultimately, what God has done in our lives, and and what he appeals to is this, by the mercies of God. You and I, if we are children of God at all, it is because of God's mercy. The Old Testament tells us, Exodus 34, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. But what he says here is that when you come to him, he gives mercy to thousands. That he is a God who is merciful and gracious. In the passage of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6, And you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. He's talking about false gods or idols. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep 
my commandments. That you and I have received God's mercy. And because of that, we should want to give ourselves to Him completely. That because of what He has done in our lives. And, and if it's not enough because of what He has done. But He will continue to give us His mercies. The writer of Lamentations, Jeremiah, says this. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That God's mercies have been abundant in our past and God's mercies will be abundant in our future. The psalmist would write this in Psalm 23, one of the most well-known of the psalms and portions of Scripture in general. It says, surely Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His goodness and His mercy are following me. That when I'm a child of God, I've got His mercy that is going to be following me, and it's going to be with me, and He's going to be keeping me and protecting me. And because of that, He says, present yourselves to God. Because of His mercies, we should present ourselves to God. Secondly, we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. No one comes to Jesus Christ without death. But it is not a physical dying. It is a spiritual dying. It is what repentance represents where we choose to follow Jesus Christ and we die to ourselves. And it is something that you and I should do on a daily basis as we die daily. Paul said that of himself. He said, I crucify myself daily, that every day I repent and I, and I put to death the desires of my flesh and I choose to follow Jesus Christ. I've seen this. I've used this actually in marriage classes and various things where when you have men in a room, and, and we see this when men go to war, or men die protecting their families, die protecting their countries, that I, I've yet to meet a man who, in love, with his family, in love with his wife, love with his family, who would not die for them. I'm sure they exist. But I've yet to find someone who would not die for their family. But I've seen a lot of times where people who would die for their family would not live for their family. That if push comes to shove and it's either them or their family, they'll take a bullet. But on Monday, they want what they want. And they don't live for their family. And I would tell you the same thing is true of, of many people who are Christians, that they, 
They would die for him because they, they understand that if they don't die for him, if they refuse to die for him, their eternity may be in jeopardy. And we're fortunate that we live in a nation where that is not, that is not even on the radar. But the question is not, would you die for Jesus? The question I have for you today is, would you live for him? Not when that moment of, of tragedy comes or that moment of great decision comes, but will you live for him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? And, and will you live for him on the job? And will you live for him at school? And will you live for him at home? That what he's calling for us is not to be a dead sacrifice, not to offer ourselves and be killed like the Old Testament sacrifice, but he is calling for us to be a living sacrifice. That everything we do should be a sacrifice to him, that we are living in a way that's pleasing to him and is honoring to him. Not asking us to die physically, but he is asking us to die to ourselves, to live for him. Thirdly, we offer ourselves to God as a holy sacrifice. There are many who are of the idea that you have to get good to get God. And that based on what they've done in their lives and the the sin that they've committed and the bad things that they've done, that they've got to clean up their lives and get everything just right, and then God will say, okay, now I'll, I'll take you. But the converse is true. When we get God, He then makes us good. That we bring Him our sin and we bring Him all of our tragedy and we we bring Him all of the bad things in our lives. And He takes those from us and makes us into something special. When we come to God, we're tattered, we're torn. But God gives us beauty for ashes and joy for mourning and the bad things in our life He takes away and He gives us something that is worthwhile and something that is beautiful. And, and the reality of for some people is this, is that they, they come to God it's like a man who would come and with his torn and tattered and dirty coat and he would give you that coat and you would give him a nice, new, clean, good coat. But then every time you see him, he comes back in his old tattered and torn coat. So what God is calling us to be is a holy sacrifice. That it's not just, here Lord, here's my bad stuff, but I just want to keep my bad stuff. Augustine, or Augustine, depending on how you would prefer to pronounce it, the Bishop of of Hippo in North Africa wrote a book called City of God in the 4th century. And in that book, he said this. He said, Lord, deliver me from my sin. Just not right now. 
And what he was meaning is this, is that, Lord, I, I know I, I need to, to get rid of some things. I, I know I need to live holy and I need to, to live in a way that's pleasing to you, but I'm having too much fun doing it right now. So deliver me, but just don't do it right now. Let me endure in what I'm doing for a little bit longer. But I would tell you that the gift that God wants is for us to be a holy sacrifice. That He is calling us to be something that is pure and holy before Him. And that doesn't mean that you and I won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we won't fail. It just means that we need to keep trying and keep seeking after Him. Fourthly, we offer ourselves to God as an acceptable sacrifice. Now there is, obviously if there is an acceptable sacrifice, then there is an unacceptable sacrifice. That not just any sacrifice will do. We see this in the book of Genesis. When Cain and Abel, they offer sacrifice to God. Cain, who is a tiller of the ground, and he is a person who raises vegetables and fruit, and he brings a sacrifice to God of vegetables and fruit. His brother Abel, who is a shepherd, brings to God and offers Him the first of His flock. And the Bible says that God rejects Cain's sacrifice, but He accepts Abel's sacrifice. And you're probably familiar with the story, and Cain gets mad and kills Abel. But ultimately, and when He does that and God confronts him, God says to Cain, if you had done well, then I would not have been wroth with you. That you knew the sacrifice that I was looking for, and it's not just fruits and vegetables, but it is the first of something that is living so there can be a blood sacrifice. Cain's sacrifice was unacceptable to God. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices had to be without spot or blemish. You couldn't bring a sickly lamb or a sickly calf you had to bring the best of your flock to God and offer it as a sacrifice to him and God in that same way is offering to himself the Bible says a bride without spot or blemish that he's offering to himself a bride that is pure and a bride that is holy Now, I, I will tell you, because it's biblically true, the only way it is truly possible to be without spot or blemish is because of the imputed righteousness of Christ. The only way we can 
we can truly stand before Him holy and without spot or blemish is because the righteousness of Jesus Christ He places on us. However, that doesn't mean that we don't attempt to be an acceptable sacrifice in the way that we live. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, because of all that God has done, because of all the abundant blessings that He has done, I urge you, present your bodies a living, a holy, acceptable sacrifice. Jesus would say this in Matthew. He said, you... Hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy. This is from Isaiah 29. said, but rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. What I would tell you is that no matter what you do, That what God is looking for is a sacrifice that is from the heart. That you can do all the right things and go through all the right motions, but what He's looking for is a heart that loves Him and a heart that is after Him. It's why He would say of David who who has great sin in his life, and God didn't say this before David's sin of adultery and murder and numbering the children of Israel, but God said it after all of those things. It's that David was a man after God's own heart. And what that means is not that David's heart was like God's heart, but his heart was after him. And that what God is looking for us is not to be perfect and not to make mistakes, but to have a heart for him that when we make mistakes that we do like David said, Lord, it is me, I have sinned. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to follow you. I want to be pleasing to you. That living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God. And then lastly, we offer ourselves as our spiritual service of worship. And I want to go ahead and come to the music. It is a logical and reasonable response to what God has done in our lives. the logical and reasonable reaction that you and I should have is that we present our bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God because of all that He has done for us. The logical and reasonable expectation you have as a parent is that your children will do what you tell them. Because of all that you have done. I would tell you, worship is not just what we do here on Sunday. Worship is not just singing of songs, clapping of hands and lifting of hands and giving accolades to God. That is all part of worship, but it's more than that. That worship is what we do 24-7. 
In fact, the word worship comes from the old English word worthship. It is what you do in response to the worth of something else. And so we lift our hands and we sing songs and we talk about how good God is because He's worthy of that. But because of all that He's done, the way I live on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, those moments there too are worship if I'm doing it unto Him. It's not just the stuff of Psalm 150. But it is our lives offered to God at all times. It's how we live on the job. How we live when we're making business decisions and how we live at school and how we live when we're taking the test and how we live when we're on the internet looking for entertainment it's how we live when we're reading books and we're listening to music it's how we live when we're driving down the road and they cut us off it's how we live when the cashier messes up it's how we live in all of our relationships It is our spiritual service of worship. Or as other translations would say, it is our reasonable service. It's just the normal thing. It's, it's reasonable. It's not anything great. It's not beyond and above the call of duty. It's when you look at the fact that we have traded garments of heaviness or spirit of praise and we have traded mourning for joy and we've had we've traded an eternity in hell for an eternity in heaven it's just our reasonable service we offer ourselves to God because of his mercy as living sacrifices as holy sacrifices as acceptable sacrifices and as our spiritual service question is this what do we get out of giving ourselves to God the reality is what the text says is we give ourselves to him because of what he's already given us but what we do get is eternal life with Jesus Christ can't live on past blessings and favor, can't live on past relationship with Him, but when we give ourselves completely to Him, we get a future with Jesus Christ. There are some people who want to give God their eternity. they don't want to give him their present. I run into those people all the time. 
yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Most of them never say, I'm a Jesus follower. By definition, I mean, you can see the difference in saying, I believe in this or I'm following this. They very seldom say that they're following Jesus. But what they are doing is saying, Jesus, I want you to give me this eternity with you, but I want to do what I want to do right now. Nobody in this room would expect a retirement plan, 401k, a pension, full medical benefits from a company they've never worked for. But a lot of people who call themselves Christian are looking for an eternity with Jesus. They've never lived for Him. I'm reminding us in the words of Romans 12:1. I urge you, brethren and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is spiritual service of worship. I was going to go through this before my message and I jumped over it. If you go to the website, you can see today's message if you look in sermons video will be up there later, but you can see the the slide, the graphic on there. And and if you click in there, you'll see a link to the notes. Pretty non-detailed version of my notes. But in the call to action today, and you can also do this in the Cross Church app, but in the call to action today, instead of telling you here's what I think you need to do in order to put this sermon into action I chose today to do it in the form of four questions you can write these down you can go on the app however you want to do it if you do it in the app or even if you do it online there will be a place for you to type in your answers go to me, it'll just be for you. But the first question is this, what do I need to stop doing? What is it in my life that I'm doing that I need to stop if I'm going to give myself to God as a holy and living and acceptable sacrifice? The second question, what do I need to start doing? Maybe I need to start reading my Bible every day. I need to join in in the the fasting that the church does. and I need to be more faithful to attendance. I need to spend more time in prayer. 
maybe it's just I need to be loving my neighbor. Question three, how can I grow my relationship with Jesus? And many of those things I just mentioned are the ways in which we do that, spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, spending time with Him. Fourthly, how can I increase my obedience to Jesus? going to be followers of Jesus then that means that we have to follow Jesus we don't follow Jesus when it's convenient or when we like what he has to say but we need to be followers of Jesus at all times would you stand together today and There is no one here in this room that doesn't want to do what I have preached today. I'm confident that all of you want to be better followers of Jesus Christ. Not so that we can get eternal life, but because He has given us from the pulpit the platform to the back wall all of us have things in our lives that we need to do differently we can do better so that is my admonition to you today the gift that God wants is the gift of yourself fully devoted sold out committed to Jesus Christ in every area of your life. That Jesus should be the center of everything that we do. It's not it's not just a piece of what we do, but everything we do should revolve around Jesus Christ. And would you make that your prayer today that God would help you do that as they begin to sing. Jesus, we want